Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Jet Centric Podcast. It's Liz here, and I am joined by Brian and Justin today. It kind of feels like a while since I've sat down and done this. I'm not going to try and think back now, but I, I, I know they did some pretty awesome coverage for the expansion draft, but I know I wasn't part of that. I was busy that day, and but uh, it's been a weird offseason. There's been some stuff going on, and I just feel like we haven't talked a lot about it. We had a nice little spaces chat on the morning of um when the expansion protection lists were released and we all cried over dylan DeMello, and then it ended up <laughs> nothing but then we were talking about how you know it represents the culture blah 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 blah. but that just kind of feels like old news now because so much has been going on so we've talked about the expansion draft enough so we're not going to really touch on that but we had two days after that was the entry draft so that's kind of what we're going to talk about mostly today but then we're also going to talk about some of the other trades that went on around that time um some of the ones concerning the jets some of the ones that thankfully did not end up concerning the Jets and then just kind of go from there. So we're just going to have a nice little sit down conversation today. I hope that sounds good to everyone and uh, joined by Brady or no, not Brady. <laughs> <laughs> joined by Brian and Justin today. Um, so Justin is going to be a little bit more of our draft expert, whereas Brian's going to be a little bit more of our trade expert. And we're all just going to talk about everything like we know what we're talking about. And we're just going to go on do our thing so thanks guys for joining me tonight and um yeah i'll just give a little bit of a time reference we are recording this on monday evening so we are about one hour out of the brendan dylan trade so we're going to unpack that a little bit uh, but we're going to kind of go maybe more in like chronological order start with the draft talk about some of those bigger trades and then yeah just sort of go from there so on friday um, a couple of just the jet centric people went out and we all enjoyed a nice little beer at one great city over on nest there it was wonderful and we watched the draft all together and stuff and uh, we ended up having a pretty big celebration when I picked number 18 um, theoretically 17 asterisk who even knows at this point um, he's the 17th pick and that's not up for discussion yes. he was the 17th <laughs> player taken in that draft if you had let's say the the team with the first overall pick forfeited <laughs> are you just gonna say there was no first overall pick that year Chaz lucius is the 17th pick in that draft end of conversation yeah it's a bit of a ridiculous system i don't know why they didn't didn't just say there are going to be 31 picks per round because arizona's dumb we should have just gone with that but here we are pick number 18 theoretically but pick number 17 in our hearts our friend chas chas lucius the ushl awesome name we're loving it already um a lot of people seem to say that he dropped and no Corey pronman who's one of my favorite people to look at for scouting he had him ranked at i think number seven bob mckenzie had him in his top 10 for sure um Justin, what are your thoughts on Chaz Lucia so far? Sort of tell us, uh, tell Jets fans about um, what we know about this prospect and what we should be excited about at, in the months and years to come with this guy. Yeah, so uh, as far as me, I had Chaz Lucia uh, kind of, I think, around 15. So still uh, above where the Jets got him. And I think uh, the Jets were pretty happy that he fell. I know a couple of names uh, that I had fell guys like uh, Volstad, the goalie, Liesel, Svechkov, uh, and Chaz Lucius. So I think the, the Jets were in a very kind of a lucky position. I think it's kind of uh, similar to, I guess, Perfetti kind of last year, maybe not quite as uh, high, uh, highly regarded of a prospect fell, but certainly a guy that the Jets probably didn't think they were going to be able to get at 18 uh, fell. And I think they got a pretty uh, good value pick there, Chaz Lucius. He was a uh, hurt for some of the year in his uh, draft season here, but he still had uh, 26 goals in 25 games with the uh, development program uh, down in the USHL with the, with the junior team there. So 
certainly uh, the guy knows how to put the puck in the net. And uh, yeah, with, uh, with Chaz Lucius, I think uh, he kind of fits the bill as a sort of typical Jets pick. They always seem to get at least one American there from, from the USHL and <laughs> kind of uh, as a player, I think, uh, you know, he's uh, he's a real good goal scorer, right? Obviously the goal totals jump off the page. I think he's got a pretty good shot, but I think what really makes his, uh, his, him such an effective scorer is uh, he just gets into the right areas in the ice and he sort of finds the, the space in between the defenseman or the sort of the soft areas of the ice. And whether that's backdoor, whether that's, he kind of creeps into the slot, he gets himself in good areas. And that uh, obviously uh, helps uh, put the puck in the net for him. He also has a really good shot. Um, he's skilled, right? So he has uh, pretty good hands. He's got, uh, despite only 10 assists this season, he, he still is a decent playmaker. Um, but uh, yeah, he kind of uh, isn't as good in the defensive zone and he's not a super good skater. So I think that's some of the reasons as to why he fell. Also, uh, he was, uh, uh, he, when he had an injury, um, which took away a bunch of his sample. And I think maybe some of the scouts were concerned about the injury, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think with Lucius, I don't think you're going to get, I mean, it's hard to project he's 18, but I don't think you're really going to get a guy that's going to drive play. Uh, but he's going to be a guy that sort of can put the puck in the net. And I think he projects maybe like a, a middle six kind of a scorer uh, as his sort of like if he if he hits his upside. However, I, I think uh, um, if he kind of comes up to the Jets with Maurice as a head coach still, I don't think he's a guy that's going to fit in Maurice's bottom six. And so it might uh, oh. be a little troublesome for, for him to kind of get some footing in the NHL level. So um, yeah, I think he's uh, under Maurice. He's kind of top six or bust, right? He's that uh, he's that goal scorer finisher. So uh, we'll we'll see what what kind of happens with him. But I think that that was a really good pick, and uh, the Jets got a pretty good one at uh, at at seventeen. Yeah, if I could chime in, I guess like it's it's a Jets like it's a prototypical Jets pick, right? Like in the first round, they've mm-hmm. typically just taken the guy who's fallen, yeah. and it's it's worked out for them for the most part. Um, so like for me personally, I didn't know very much about this draft. Um, but like in principle, I like to see that kind of thing where you're not reaching for the guy with a specific skill that you're looking for or any of that. You're just taking a guy that's, you know, regarded as one of the better ones available kind of thing. So yeah, definitely. And I, I'm of a similar mind. I honestly, I love what the Jets did in this draft from my limited knowledge of what um, some of these prospects, but from my understanding, they use their first round pick to pick a Walmart version of Kyle Connor, essentially someone who's maybe not the best <laughs> defensively um, and maybe not the best skater necessarily, but really good at that goal scoring and getting in there in the offensive zone and stuff like that. And we know those players can succeed here because Kyle Connor is doing well here and um, he'll fit right in if there if there becomes an opportunity in the top six. I totally understand what you say about the bottom six with Maurice and that, how that works for the system. Understood completely. But it's not necessarily the Jets' fault that uh, someone like this fell and they took him and it's great. But then with their other picks, they didn't necessarily take the safe pick that fell, even though they sort of did a little bit, but they really, they they did a bit of a reach. They, they, because 
you know, if you're looking to get, you know, an NHL or middle six guy, top six guy out of every single one of your picks and just trying to take the best guy available, it might end up being a little bit of a waste. You might end up getting your next Patrice Cormier or Mark Flood or whatever the heck you want. But if you're doing those little reaches um, that we find that we did a little bit with, um, what's his name, uh, Johansson last year, I liked that pick because he may not turn into anything, but if not, he it, he's a late round pick that turns into nothing. But if he does, uh, it's something exciting. And I think that's what they did with some of the later round picks. So we can unpack those a bit. Um, I don't think you can call a fifth round pick like a reach. Like Johannesson was a guy who was ranked like anywhere from, you know, the guys who do the rankings. I think he was ranked anywhere from like the second round to like the seventh, you know, like it wasn't anywhere consensus on him i don't think it was a reach by any means but you picked the guy with upside right, right. I mean, it was an upside play yeah for sure yeah, i get it with upside and um not yeah reach was the wrong word but looking at the best possible outcome with some guys and going for him right with someone who's like a safer pick necessarily oh, yeah. yeah going for yeah. the big upside in the later rounds is something that i love and i feel like that's what the jets did here that's kind of more what i meant yeah that's a better yeah, yeah in my experience when you take like you look at the quote-unquote safe pick. Those are the type of guys that don't usually make it. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, uh, especially especially later in the draft too, right? I think you you want to go for the upside play. There's not usually a ton available if you go safe in like the yeah. fifth round. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking the safe pick in the first round because usually right a pretty good player. But then as you get deeper, you go in the seventh round and you take a shot on the. 250 pound whatever Dustin Bufflin and say maybe this guy will turn into something and then he does right you know so so doing those kinds of things um I have no idea how much Dustin Bufflin weighs he probably weighs like 230 but you know kind of exaggerating here but you get my point (laughs) um let's talk about the second round pick this is another player that um a lot of people seem to think dropped to the Jets um which is always exciting but then also a little bit worrisome when you think about it too because you're like why did he drop so much like because you know it's hard to give credit to someone when someone falls right in their lap right so um that was not that was Nikita uh, Chibrikov right that we got in the second round yeah Nikita Chibrikov in the second round 50th overall um he's a guy that I like I think I had him near the tail end of the first round I kind of did a top 31 and he was in the mid to late 20s I think so um I was a fan of the pick I I think uh there was a there was a few names that that kind of went above him that I would have really liked like L- Logan Stankovin was was high on my board and uh, you know but uh, I'm uh, I'm totally hyped with the pick I think it's a a, a pretty good selection he uh, he bounced around between uh, the three different leagues in Russia the KHL the VHL and the MHL so uh, certainly wasn't a simple season for him he kind of was bouncing around and he played at the U18s too he. Uh, I think he was on the line with uh, with Michkov there. The uh, projected uh, what is it? Twenty three is his draft class. One of the yeah. one of the top guys, mm-hmm. and so he had thirteen points in seven games. But I think uh, at least some of that's inflated, uh, sort of riding shotgun with uh, with a guy as skilled as as Michkov. But uh, I like Chibrikov. I think uh, he's another skilled uh, offensive pick that that sort of fell, and I think it's kind of similar to the Lucius pick in in that way. I think they're they're somewhat different players i think where lucius is kind of uh all shot and and goal scorer i think that that chibrikov's a bit of a better skater and a bit more skilled with his with his hands but uh still a guy that uh that i think 
based on talent should have gone into the first round. I'm not really sure why he slid. I don't know if it's uh, because uh, he's uh, got a good deal with SKA St. Petersburg and the KHL. And so it's uh, sometimes hard to get those guys. They're making like already one or 2 million tech kind of hard to get those guys to commit to the ELCs where they're down to under a, under a million. So maybe that's why I have no idea kind of just spitballing there. But, uh, but I like the Chibrikov pick. He's a, as I said, a good skater. He's, he's good, good offensively. Again, I don't think he's all that good defensively or, or physical. And uh, I read some stuff that he uh, kind of is, is a little bit more of a passenger. He kind of needs some of those, uh, that insulation around him that uh, to help him drive the play. But once he's in the offensive zone, he's obviously pretty talented. And I think uh, somewhat similar to, to, to Lucius, I think if he hits, I think he could be a middle six sort of a scorer and, uh, you know, maybe maybe play on that power play one or if not, at least power play two and, and be, be an offensive uh, kind of skilled guy. And I think that that's a pretty solid pick. And uh, I think the Jets should be happy that they got him at 50. Again, uh, the second pick in a row where they got some pretty good value, in my opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to sort of touch – I'm trying to remember now. We were all – chatting pretty hard after the pick because you know the Jets picked a rush and we're like what is, what's going on <laughs> but we hadn't mentioned something because it was pretty it was one of those things that a lot of people had him pretty high on their list they talked about why he fell and it was something about off ice stuff like not character issues but something similar to what you said about the whole he really likes playing in Russia or something like that mm-hmm. it, it's along those lines I believe so I think that's one of the reasons but that I find more promising than like, oh, he has like, you know, ling- like head injuries or something like that. Like one of those things that you just can't like those awful career ending type things. Whatever. Like I think it's more, maybe that's something you can work with. I'm not sure. Like that's what, if someone like Chaz Lucius, if one of his greatest weaknesses is being a poor skater or not poor, that's not fair, but like you can work with that. I think. Right. Like, yeah. If he's wanting to come out of, if he's not necessarily wanting to come out of Russia, like if there was, I don't know. I think you can work with that. And, um, and if not, it's a second round pick, right? Like you, you got your guy in the first. And if not, we also have um, a guy in our third, what was it? Third round? Which, which round did we not have a pick? Four? Four. One of them we didn't. Seven, we didn't have picks. Yeah. For which one, sorry? Four, six, and seven, we did not pick. Six, seven. Okay, yeah. So our third rounder um, is also a little bit of a gamble, but it's an exciting gamble, and I like it. I love the upside of Dimitri Kuzman, and um, let's talk about him a little bit. Yeah, so I was really happy when I saw that they uh, they were able to grab Kuzman. Um, there was a couple guys uh, kind of in and around that third round that I wanted. I uh, don't remember exactly who it was here, if I could pull it up. I think uh, – who was it? I think Brent Johnson that went to the Capitals a few picks before he was the guy I was really eyeing up. But uh, when I saw that Johnson went, I was really happy that they got, uh, they got Kuzman. I think the headliner obviously is uh, if you haven't seen it, he got a lacrosse style goal at the U 18s. And anytime you can see that uh, from a defenseman, I think that, uh, you know, that's something you don't see every day. And so I think, you know, you can get a, a skilled guy that's uh I, I've heard that he's got some really good smarts too, which is uh, two of the two of the kind of biggest things in, in in defensemen that you're looking for. You want him to make the smart plays, and I think the fact that he has offensive upside makes him a really good gamble. Um, you know, the Jets kind of lack that. Obviously, we were harping on them kind of all year uh, with the with the big club. They didn't really do much activation, and I think that uh, 
Kuzman's a guy, he's obviously pretty raw. He's, he's young. He's, he's small. He's, you know, maybe going to be a few years down the road, but I think if you work with him and there's a, there's a lot of potential there, I hope that, uh, you know, they do the right things with him and they don't try to make him into something he's not. I think that he's an offensive defenseman and they need to realize that and they need to, to, to kind of let him do his thing because that's where he's the, 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 I guess the best. Uh, in terms of his season, he uh, had a pretty strong season and actually the Belarusian top flight, which isn't something uh, or isn't a league you typically see a lot of guys being drafted out of. So uh, certainly, I guess, sort of hard to, to, to really compare him to some of his other peers. But uh, I think what really put him on the map in terms of this draft was his U18s, where he uh, had five points in five games for Belarus, which is obviously uh, one of the weaker teams. And the fact that a defenseman was able to score with that kind of success is obviously encouraging and uh, obviously the highlight real goal. So I think, you know, he's a, he's a guy that uh, for a third round, I think it's, it's a great bet. I think he has a pretty high ceiling. I think uh, he's got a lot of the tools that you should be looking for in a modern defenseman. And I think, uh, yeah, for a third round pick, I'm, 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 I'm loving it. Yeah. yeah you know what? Um, he was, I actually watched um, a little bit of stuff on him after the jets picked him. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Will Scouch. Yeah, uh, very good scouching. Stuff. He does. Yeah, his his analysis of prospects. I, I don't know if there's a better guy out there um, in terms of the public sphere. Anyway, I watched his uh, his video on him, and then a few things stuck out to me. Um, obviously, the skill in the offensive zone, but it seemed like. And a thing I really like in defensemen is he tended to break up the play early before it ever became dangerous. Um, like not even necessarily in the D zone. He's stepping up on plays all day long in the neutral zone um, from the things I saw there. And his results were very good um, in terms of that. Yeah, playing in a worse league, of course, but among the better guys in the whole draft um you know in terms of um you know stuff like shot attempt percentage or you know how many shot attempts the team's getting with him on the ice kind of thing um he wasn't also wasn't taking a lot of point shots himself um he tended to cycle the puck uh, a lot more which is something that i like in a defenseman, especially uh, one that doesn't have a great point shot. Um, I know I rag on Stanley for that all the time, shooting a lot of low percentage point shots. Uh, anyway, I digress, but I, I obviously don't know a whole heck of a lot about Dimitri Kuzman, but the little bit I've seen is good. Um, you wonder about the defensive game, like the actual defensive awareness in the zone. Um does that outweigh the other good stuff? I don't know. Um, and there's also, as I mentioned before, the league he's playing in, like you said, doesn't produce a lot of NHLers. Um, but that's the type of thing that you swing on, you know, mm-hmm. after, you know, the second round when there's some decent guys still left. Um, third, fourth, fifth round. Those are the guys you want to swing on and hopefully you get an NHLer. and in a rare scenario, you might get a great NHLer out of them. I'm not saying I expect that out of Dimitri Kuzman, but 
Um, you didn't take a player who hasn't done anything and is only there because of size or grit or one of those things, right? So, right, exactly. He has some translatable skills for sure. Yeah, it doesn't. It it does. It reminds me of the Johannesson pick a little bit, honestly. Maybe even with less. How do I put this? Maybe even with a little bit of a higher floor than Johannesson, I th- or in a better chance to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I, I do really like the point that you brought up about, because um, I just find a lot of people when they evaluate defensemen, they're looking at that typical box, whatever, in front of the goalie, whatever. But a lot of really good defensemen, a lot of their good skills come from the fact that they actually don't have to get back there and play like that because they're breaking up the play before then. Or they're, you know, they're doing a better job of controlling the puck in the zone or their breakouts, all that good stuff that keeps them from having to do that. And I think that's a really important way to evaluate defensemen as well. So, and I find that that's someone that probably, that kind of thing is a little bit less familiar. Like just all those, the good that you were pointing out about him is something that I feel like we lack on this Jets team um, right now. And probably we will, if we continue to work with the core for the next little while, and that's fine. They're good at other things, whatever. We've been down this road many, many times with the defense, but I like that the Jets are taking uh, chance on someone like this and it shows to me that maybe they see something in him that they like and the things that he is good at are things that we like as well so it's kind of nice to see a little bit of um, a little bit of that there um, okay and our fifth round pick the last pick that we had here is uh, Dimitri Ryshevsky. Um, I'll be honest I know zero things about this man I literally didn't even remember how to pronounce his first name or last name so I had to go pick it up uh, he plays in the uh, the MHL in Russia uh, fifth oh, round pick 146 overall Justin uh what do you got to say about him yeah so uh I'll, I'll be honest with you I had no clue who this guy was when the Jets picked him I uh sort of only looked into the guys who were first year eligible uh beforehand uh coming into the draft so I, I really didn't have a, a ton on him uh but I kind of after the draft read about him and I heard that uh he probably would have gotten picked in last year's draft but sort of uh similar to Chibrikov he uh you know, his, uh, he's got a KHL deal and teams were uh, sort of afraid that uh, he wasn't going to come over and uh, kind of just uh, stay in the KHL. But uh, I think it was Corey Pronman in The Athletic or there was some sort of an article that sort of uh, said uh, that, uh, uh, what's his name, Roshevsky? Yeah, yeah Roshevsky. Yeah, that, that, he'd be, uh, that he'd be willing to come over to the Jets and play a few seasons even in the Moose if, if need be. So I guess that's encouraging, I think. In terms of skill, he's 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 got some of that. I know uh, EliteProspects.com, who uh, you know they have a pretty good team with Mitch Brown and Cam Robinson leading the, the charge. They had uh, they had him rated at 100. They were the only outlet that had him rated, but uh, getting him at 146, the guy who's rated 100, I think is is some pretty good value. And uh, also, they uh, Elite Prospects had uh, the first three Jets picks on their top 42. So I think in terms of that, they got some really good value picks here and. Uh, I thought that because the first three picks were such, I don't know about home runs, but they were so solid that I was fine if they kind of went off the board here. And and I guess you could kind of call Roshevsky that it's certainly not a guy that's uh, got a very high floor, but I think that he has some interesting upside. Uh, he had a really breakout season last year in the MHL. He had uh, 74 points at 61 games, well over point per game. And then this year he bounced around the VHL, the MHL, KHL all over the place. Uh, he played for five different teams in those three different leagues. So kind of all over the place, kind of hard to get a, a gauge on him, but uh, 
he did have uh, pretty solid uh, VHL production, which is the second tier in Russia. So anytime you can get that, he's 20 years of age. Obviously, he's a uh, he's an older kid, but uh, anytime you can get production in a men's league right, like that as a you know 19, 20 year old, it's it's certainly encouraging. And uh, sounds like he might be going to the KHL next year, so we'll be able to see him kind of in the big league and with a fourth round pick uh, after you had the kind of three solid picks uh, sort of behind him. I think that it's it's totally fine to go with a guy that's kind of a little uh, less uh, widely known. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I, oh, I was just going to say, I, I, I didn't know who he was before the draft. I, I still don't really know who he is, um, but <laughs> smart people I've seen said it's a solid pick. So I'm just, I'm just going to go with that. Not that that adds anything at all to this discussion. <laughs> I wanted to say something. Fair enough. Yeah, for sure. No, I'm, I'm similar. Um, but uh what would you say? How do you feel all in all about the draft, Justin? Yeah, well, I think it's three really solid value picks and then a fourth that's a little bit more of a wild card. Um, but really the key is that you don't pull an Ottawa Senators and like screw around with your 10th overall pick. And, you know, like they kind of did with, with Ty Boucher and, you know, even their second round pick was pretty questionable. It so was 10th overall. Yeah, it was 10th it was overall. Yeah, it was top 10. Like, even on, on the same team, like Chaz Lucius would have been a more solid bet at 10 than, than uh, who the Sens got. So, I mean, uh, with Boucher. So, uh, yeah, like, I mean, you can't really ask much more out of the Jets. I think that they, again, had a pretty solid draft and kind of sort of following the path that they have in years past where they kind of just grab the guy that, that falls. And, you know, and uh, even they did that with the second pick. I know sometimes when they get that, they kind of like to get a little bit more riskier with the second pick. But this time around, they kind of, you know, got, got that twice. And then I think a really fun project in Kuzman, who I'm really looking forward to sort of keep tabs with his development over the next few years. And yeah, I think it was, uh, I mean, I would have liked the, the Jets to obviously have more picks. I think for a team in their state that kind of doesn't have a ton of depth in their prospect pool, obviously, you know, you wouldn't, you'd, you'd like a few more picks, but I think with the picks that they had, I'm, I'm very pleased. Yeah, fair enough. And I think that's probably a pretty good consensus. Like, I don't think there's anyone that's, you know, raging about how terrible of a draft it was. I think people are pretty uh, happy with it. Um, and then, you know, when you look at random reporters from across the league and stuff, they have their draft winners and losers. I've definitely seen the Jets on a lot more winners list than losers list. So I'd rather have a benign draft than a terrible one. So uh, personally, yeah, I'm happy with how it went too. I find that usually I'm pretty impressed with how the, the Jets draft um, we do give some credit to picks falling into their lap. We've talked about that already, but um, there is something to be said for them not doing the whole reaching thing and picking some guy for team need that isn't going to be ready for four years. I've never really understood that other than like maybe goalies. Um, I just think it's kind of odd, um, but like, whatever, like I, what do I know? Right. So um, why don't we talk a little bit about some of the trades that happened? Um, so we were talking about this beforehand and I just think that there have been a ton of really interesting trades in the league this week. And a lot of them don't concern the jets, but a lot of them do concern people that um, players that the jets were um, kind of maybe rumored to be going after or jets fans wanted mostly on the defensive end here. So um, I'll throw this more to Brian. Obviously we can all talk about it a little bit, um, but maybe I'm trying to think of which one came first. Um, do you with want to first? start off with the Seth Jones one? Was that first? 
Uh, I don't might have been. I'm I'm trying to load I, it on. Uh, I think the wrist alignment was one of those first. Was it? Yeah, actually. Yeah, right. yeah, That's it was. Helpful. He's correct. Yeah. Well, there's Shane Goss despair. Oh yeah. The day before, should we should we include that in our discussion? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So uh, here's what happened. Uh, well, everybody knows, I'm sure that's listening to this, but uh, yeah, the Flyers send Shane Goss despair to the Arizona Coyotes with his four and a half million uh, a year cap hit. Um, and they pay a, a second round pick and a seventh round pick to do that. Um, which is okay. I, I wouldn't have done that myself, but then you're going to pay a, pay the 14th overall pick and a second round pick and then i mean he gets you throw in robert hag and you get rasmus ristolainen back Yeesh. what are you doing <laughs> like have you watched rasmus ristolainen play right i know that's sort of like put away the charts watch the game i'm like okay you watch the game what does that man do that's not terrifying to watch like i i don't get the Rasmus Ristolainen defense I don't I don't so and then you've got and then you've got the people that go oh okay well he's playing uh he's playing against the top competition playing all these minutes but don't you pay that much for a guy who does well in those minutes (laughs) like I I won't put it past him that he might have a shot at being an okay you know, third pairing power play specialist kind of defenseman. It's a lot but to pay for pay, a guy in that role. You don't pay Shane Goss to spare a sec, uh, first round pick, two second round picks, and <laughs> a seventh round pick. All for that. And like, what's so weird to me too is that they also traded for Ryan Ellis. Like they lost Phil Myers and Nolan Patrick, but they brought in someone I would argue is a top 10 defenseman in the league. Like Ryan Ellis is so yeah. good. He's really good. And then they go and pull this. I was like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Like, I just don't understand. Like the just... Seth Jones one is a little bit more interesting to me just because I did watch a lot of Columbus and he is a very good skater and whatever. Like I, but Rasmus Ristolainen, I just don't even understand from a watching game perspective. Why, what, what does he have that, you know, you want so bad that you're going to give up a first round pick for him? Yes, Robert Hag is also not that good, but he costs a lot less. And you're giving up assets in general for Rasmus Ristolainen. And I don't get it. I just well, don't. Well, even with Buffalo too, like, you know, the defense of him is whatever. He's playing tough minutes, but like, literally Buffalo is better with that man on the bench. So like they say, oh, it's because of his team, you know, Buffalo's bad. Buffalo is better when he sits down and is not yeah. on the ice. Like yeah. he is the recent one of the reasons that Buffalo is so bad because he plays right. so many minutes. The team <laughs> yeah. is so frustrating in that sense. And they're like, oh, like look at his team. Like, yes, I realize Buffalo is a weirdly run organization, stuff like that. But when you look at, oh, his team is so bad. Like, what makes the team bad? Probably the players that play the most on it. Like, the, Ed- <laughs> yeah. the Edmonton Oilers are bad, but Connor McDavid can still produce because he's a good player. And people are like, oh, like, Connor McDavid just, like, isn't good because, like, his team is bad, whatever. Like, no, good players can still – like, Jack Eichel this year couldn't score. Um, and well, he, But, like, he was still putting up good numbers, and he was, like, doing a lot of things that are really good because he's a good player on a crappy mm-hmm. team. I just – I don't – I don't get it. Like, that whole – yeah, 
Patrick Bacon and I went into a huge thing. It's just so funny. We're having like a double conversation, like the whole bad guy, oh, it's because bad team. And then also Rasmus switched the line and maybe could be a third pairing bottom, like power play specialist, whatever. He's essentially like Tyson Berry at this point, but like slightly less usable. Like, I don't even know. Like, I just, that one is so confusing to me. I just don't get it. Well, it's, they still look at points and ice time as their main kind of, I guess, uh, player assessments, if you will. And I mean, we've known for a while that's a flawed way of looking at things, like, especially for a defenseman. That's just going to follow, that's going to be highly correlated with, points are going to be highly correlated with uh, ice time and specifically power play time. And I don't know if you, I don't know. I don't think Ristolainen was playing top power play anymore with Buffalo this year. I think that might've been Darlene, but I, so, I, yeah. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got to kind of move past that. I, as far as the assessment goes, it, he didn't even put up a ton of points this year. It was like 18 and like 40 something games. If I recall correctly, Um which, I, again, I don't read into points for defensemen. No. Um, yeah. So that's just the way I think GMs look at it. And I guess that's why they value Ristolainen so highly. But when you actually watch him play, it's kind of disastrous at times. So, yeah, I don't get it either. Yeah, for sure. Um. I was going to say something about, yeah. And like, it just bothers me so much. I don't know if I'm really going to go down this tangent right now, but I kind of feel like I am. Just when people, you're looking at the people arguing against Rasmus Rosalina, they're like, X, Y, Z, watching him play, looking at any of his numbers. Like, there was this one tweet that I'll have to find. It's so freaking funny. It's like, <laughs> you know which one I'm talking about. All yeah. Right? yeah. Not, some of them are advanced stats, but it's like, of the 68 defensemen that have played over, x number of minutes since 2013 he ranks last for most of them and it's like not even like advanced stats it's like being on the ice for this many goals um per 60 him like dead last and then he's like the highest that he ever gets is like 58 or something like that like he's been <laughs> atrocious like and i just i i don't get it i don't and like when people are talking pro rasmus or and they say oh He's a big right shot defenseman. And I just, the size, the size, the size. That's the other one. not an asset unless you know how to use it. And like, it doesn't compensate for you being bad. Like it doesn't make you good. It doesn't do anything to make you good. Like it's just an added bonus. If it works into your style of game, if you're already good, it doesn't make you good. And it just makes me so mad when people use that as their, oh, big right shot defenseman. Seth Jones, big left shot defenseman. No, that's not good enough. (laughs) Yeah, people tend to look at it as like the player is this good and then he's this big. So, right. it's, but it's not like that. That like the size is going to be part of why they're good. You know, if like if it's if they're big, that's usually if they're big and good, they can typically use their size to their advantage. But like, like you said, list sometimes they can't, right? So, mm-hmm. but people will look at like Logan Stanley, for instance, and like he hasn't done anything of note to suggest he's going to be like any high-end defenseman or maybe even a top four defenseman, but people are like, okay, well, he's done this, but he's also big. It's like, yeah, but being big is part of what 
made him as good as he is now. It's not like you can add that on as a bonus. If you got what I'm saying. Yeah, right. So like for Stanley, he was good in a third pairing sheltered role as a third line D. And so that's his results. That's his output. He's that good partially because of his size. Yeah. And you don't get to stack. Okay. He got third line minutes. Oh, but he's big now. Maybe he's second line D like it doesn't work like that. It's results are results and height plays a part into that output. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think about like I'm about to. I know we're talking about Logan Stanley and never. Yeah, sorry. I, I'm not Logan, trying to take. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you here. No, I was about to say. I know we don't usually try and put Bufflin in the same sentence as Stanley, but I'm going to here in the sense that when you talk about all the things that Bufflin was good at, like there are some of the old geezers or whatever who will say, "Oh yeah, he was big" or whatever. Um, but you talk about how good of a puck mover he was, how good on the point he was, like all these different things that they were good skills of his that maybe like some of it comes from him being big, whatever, but it's like, you talk about what makes him good on the ice when he's playing, whatever. You don't just say, Oh, he was good because he was big. And that is literally what some people do. Oh, if he's mm-hmm. good, that means he's tough. No, no, it doesn't. And being tough doesn't do anything. If you suck at hockey and I'm not saying Logan Stanley sucks at hockey, but if that's how you're going to defend an acquisition by saying he's tough, is he good at anything else? is he going to be like a freaking what's the word I'm looking for? Like, he's like a liability every time you're on the ice, but Oh, he's going to cross check a guy once. So that makes him good. Like that makes me so mad. Anyways, anyways, I feel bad now. I'm going to get ragged for turning this into a shit on Logan Stanley fest. That wasn't what to do. Logan know, Stanley's fine. It's not on Logan Stanley. And he's just like collateral damage in this situation because I'm just I'm a not good example. Upset with him. He's doing what he wants. Like he's, He's made the NHL. He's do. It's just the Logan Stanley defense squad that makes me mad. The use. It's not his fault. Good for him, for you know getting top four minutes when he doesn't deserve it. Like you know what? Good for you. It's not your fault. It's everyone else's fault. Like I don't like that I've become a Stanley hater because I think he's just trying his best. I'm not um, a Stanley just, hater. No, like, and I don't think any of us are. We're just mad at the situation that comes around it. And I don't think that's unreasonable in any situation. Like when you talk about like, well, I guess Blake Wheeler is a bit of a different story. I'm more angry at my use at Blake Wheeler's usage than I am at Blake Wheeler, the human being or the player. Like I don't have any reason to dislike him. I just don't like what coaching and management have done with him kind of thing. Like that goes with lots of players, like unless they're being like an ass or something like that. Like I don't, it's just the miss, like Rasmus Ristolainen, I wouldn't be mad at him for getting traded here. I would just be mad at my team, you know? Um, but let's talk about Seth Jones now, because I think that happened later in the Raptors Bristol line in evening. Yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> wow. What a trade. <laughs> that, was, uh, that was crazy. I don't know if that was – that might have been worse. I don't know. That might have been worse than the wrist alignment one. I'm not sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. Anything that has because of that extension. That worse. It's it's the term that makes it terrible. That like, contract is so laughably bad. <laughs> I don't get it. I you don't. know what? Um, I'll just say this: Seth Jones isn't as bad as the underlying numbers this year no. have suggested, but he's not much more than an average defenseman if that like and there's nothing wrong with having average defensemen on their team but there's something wrong with paying an average defenseman (laughs) nine million dollars for eight years 
And uh, like people get on me for saying, oh, it's only about stats, blah, blah, blah. Well, I watch more Columbus games uh, aside from Jets games than any other uh, last season. Seth Jones was very good at one or two things, uh, carrying the puck through the neutral zone um, and winning battles in his own zone. Um, still out of position a lot of times in his own zone. Uh, regardless, um, he could get the puck into the offensive zone, but once he got there, um, it's like he was ahead of his team and didn't want to continue um, like on the rush. So he'd almost stop at the blue line and then just, you know, fire a dump in behind the net afterwards, which is, you know, as good as a dump in from center or you have to wonder if some of that also comes from coaching too. Um, yeah. So that like, but I totally understand what you mean. And people are like, Oh, like Seth Jones would be an upgrade from Derek Forbert. Like no shit. Like I don't th- think that Seth yeah. Jones is the best, <laughs> the worst defenseman in the league by any means. I think he's mid to higher tier of, as far as defensemen go. But when you're looking at the opportunity cost of the acquisition of a player like Seth Jones, what it would cost to bring him in, that's that's your first pairing guy that you're bringing in. I'd rather bring in many, many other guys for my first pairing. I'd rather have Derek Forbert at $1 million than Seth Jones at nine. Like, that's just how it is, right? So when people are ragging on Seth Jones, it's just, yeah, like the way that he's perceived kind of thing more than, like, no one thinks that he's terrible, I don't think, right? So. No, I mean, some guys that follow this, like, that only – like look at stats and don't watch the game. Um, they might say, Oh, look how bad he was this year. It's just going to continue like that. Well, it probably won't. He'll probably still be, you know, a decent player, but nine and a half million. Holy crap. That's a lot for a guy who's never put up real high end results aside from points and ice time, which like I said, that's how, teams still evaluate is with those two metrics and the term too like he's he's 26 so he has one more year on his current deal and Mm -hmm. then he has eight years so that's going to be nine years they're going to take him till he's 35 at nine and a half million like there might be like a second pairing defenseman there that's maybe if you coach him and if you acclimate him into the right system and you insulate him like that's so much that you have to go out of your way just to make this $9.5 million investment look okay. And like, there's so much downside that could still possibly go wrong. Yeah. So it's just like bananas to me, like such a risky bet. And uh, I don't get why the Hawks did this. Like I, maybe the brother reunion, maybe they want the Trump. <laughs> I don't know what, happen, but like, I just think that like, it's so hard to look at the market, like from year to or whatever, but it's like, okay. Within a couple days, Kale McCarr signed to six by nine. Everyone, nice. Um, but I just don't <laughs> understand, like, how you could watch any of the game, like, anything, the stats, the games, like, any tape that you watch. What makes you think that Seth Jones deserves more term than Kale McCarr? Like, maybe just because he's older, so you have more of a sample. But I don't need any more of Kale McCarr to know that that is a good defenseman. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> Well, let's talk about the return for a sec too. Adam Boquist, who is an excellent prospect, um, like he's trending to he's trending to be, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly a top four guy, if not a top pair guy, 
um, uh, a second or sorry, a first round pick from this year, um, which turned into Cole Sillinger, um, who I great prospect. I liked as a prospect. He was one, he was one of the few names that I did know and looked into before the draft. He was one of my favorite prospects. I think they got a great player there. And, uh, Alexi Hamoselmi, if I pronounce that correctly. Um, I don't know who that is, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> um, he was their second round pick and a, uh, another conditional first round pick uh, in 2022. Um, the condition if Chicago wins um, one of the 2022 draft lotteries. Don't get the wording there. Um, they're so funny. I love the, that. <laughs> the pick. The pick becomes their 2023 first round pick. So basically, it's just a lottery protection. Okay. Um, but that's two first round picks, a second round pick, and Adam Bolquist, which is easily a first round pick value. Yep. So that's you're a huge paying hog. that, and then giving Seth Jones a massive contract. Right. Like, um, and yeah. So basically like, I should, I should, I should add to that. They, the jackets did give them uh, Tampa's uh, first round pick this year as well. Um, I guess. So that offsets that a little bit. That's the 32nd yeah. overall um, pick was Nolan Allen. Um, again, late first round pick not huge value with that selection but still that's that's crazy Absolutely yeah no crazy. Um, and that's like what's the best part about it to me too is that like columbus literally could have let him walk for free in 10 months <laughs> yet and they got this massive haul to get rid of what was basically a liability to them at this point like he wasn't um like I don't even know like it's just it's hilarious to me that the return was so big I guess they got the extension but I don't think Columbus was going to extend him that much like they're not losing out on anything but one year of Seth Jones yeah he wasn't going to sign back he wasn't going to sign with Columbus that's a great trade for the Columbus Blue yeah and also like with the picks they got I really like Sillinger and Hamel Salmi right so like not only did they get the picks but they used them well I think Columbus is trending upward. That's a that's a, a really good step in the right direction for them. Yeah, I I they've always been interesting to me in so many ways. And like again, like I'm not gonna. You know what? I I I have to go back on that because this is just not this is just me not paying attention. They later traded that second round pick to Carolina for Jake Bean. And oh that, yeah, and so that was it's a actually weird. Carolina with Alexi Hamasalmi. Oh, so okay. Shut up. <laughs> no, but on, but on, like that's. Jake Bean was a great pickup for them. Like he hasn't had a lot of results in the NHL because he's quite young. Uh, but I love that. I love that trade. Trading a second for a not yet proven prospect, but someone that's going to be pretty dang good. Um, I love it. I love that move from Columbus, and um, I I wanted the Jets to do it. Um, not that like it would have been a massive upgrade in any way, kind of thing. But I just think it's the kind of gamble that you make. Um, obviously, now we've lost two 
seconds for Brendan Dillon, which is whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I love the move and I love the Voracek trade for them. Um, I don't really get what's going on. Like if you look at their team now, I don't think like this year they lost Dubois, Felino, now Atkinson and Savard. That's a pretty big blow to take as far as your core and stuff. But I don't know. I just like the way that they're spicing things up and, you know, for the sake of Pascal Vincent and Patrick Laine, I really hope that they, they do something fun this year, or whatever. So yeah, they're gonna go for a tank this year, um, but they're also gonna add Adam Boquist into their top four, um, lose some, you know, trade some players. Um, Jake Bean will probably step into their lineup. We'll we'll see what they do, but. Um, like there's a chance they could get another high pick. They're going to be in good position in two, three, four years from now kind of thing. I think what's funny is they traded away Seth Jones, which uh, a lot of teams and GMs and I guess people uh, around the league might think is easily the best player in this trade, but they literally, there's an argument that they got the two best defensemen out of it and Jake Bean and Adam Boquist and that they upgraded their team while getting the future assets around with it. So Home run for yeah. uh, for Columbus. I don't think Jake Bean's as good as Seth Jones right now. I think Jake Bean, um, he was buried behind a really good defense in Carolina. Um, always had upside. Um, at this point, I think second or third pairing guy, but still, yeah. that's that's solid value for if you're giving up a second round pick now. Low risk, right? Columbus. So yeah, yeah, it's it's. Can't go wrong. That's what I like about defensemen too, is that you know, when you have young guys that are trying to work their way in, like so say you have your Billy Handel and Cooper Freddie, which I would argue are probably the Jets' two strongest prospects right now. Working in Billy Handola should and will be easier than working in Cooper Freddie in the sense that putting in a prospect into third pairing minutes is usually good for their development, whereas putting a prospect onto your fourth line is not good for their development, right? So with someone like Jake Bean, he should be able to work his way in there and do okay, right? Because all your defense tend to play pretty similar styles of games, and it's pretty, like, whereas if you put some, you know, sniper on your fourth checking line for six minutes a night, like, it's not going to do anything (laughs) for him, right? So I think they'll be well-suited with Boquist and... Um, and being there, I think it'll be. I think it'll be interesting. Right. Um, and we should probably the, move. And we can talk about the OEL trade as well. Right. Um, I'm just trying to find that. Uh, oh, it was so chaotic. I, I think it... OEL and Connor Garland for Beagle Erickson, a first <laughs> someone else. Like I don't even know. It's something every like every bad contract that Canucks ever signed, which is a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, they said three of them over there. <laughs> yeah, and they get the worst one back. Who's the third? Oh, here it is. Um, oh wow, that's a lot of wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a huge a terrible deal. Trade, like across the board. Oh man, the the Coyotes totally get the the better end of this. So, um, let's just I'm going to ignore Oliver Ekman Larson and all the other um, pieces, Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle, Louis Erickson, second round pick and a seventh round pick. I'm going to look at it first as Dylan Gunther versus Connor Garland. Um, So that was the 2021 first round pick this year. Um, Good prospect. I think top six forward type prospect, good scorer um, versus, you know, already a, an established um, 
top six player in Connor Garland. So I think that's pretty even as it is. I think like, it's very like, it's close on value. I think, I don't know Mm -hmm. if I would have paid as much as the ninth overall pick um, for Connor Garland. Um, But I don't, I don't think that's how Vancouver sees it. I think they see value in Ekman Larson, um, which I think that's, you know, that's a mammoth contract for a guy who hasn't performed all that well for a number of years now. Now, if you look at it, you have Oliver Ekman Larson. Um, you get rid of the three bad contracts, Roussel, Beagle, and Erickson. I think they're each for one more year, if, I, mm-hmm. if I'm not yeah. mistaken. And then a second round pick and a seventh round pick. So you didn't give up much like the those three contracts aren't you know worth anything if you're not contending this year which Arizona very clearly isn't <laughs> um or I mean Vancouver um very clearly isn't I'm looking at it from Vancouver's perspective um and then you're trading a second and a seventh round pick I don't like that that's just you're incurring a huge risk with that deal um, I think Arizona absolutely killed it in this deal. They get rid of a mammoth contract for three contracts that won't mean anything to them. Get a couple picks and they get a really good draft pick. So yeah. I really like it. No, fair enough. I think it's one of those things that definitely looks worse at face value because of Louis Erickson, JB, like all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, like the OEL basically, I look at it as an OEL cap dump because that man makes a lot of money for a defenseman to begin with. Mm-hmm. And man, oh man, has he just been atrocious in the past couple of years. Like, I just, I don't understand. Like, that is someone who, like, again, we talked about the Seth Jones thing. Obviously, way too much money. But at half the price, I wouldn't be mad to take him on my team. I don't think, like, I don't think OEL is that good. I almost want to lump him more into the Rasmus Ristolainen category than the Seth Jones category. Because I do think those players are of different echelons, right? So, I think he's worse than, like, I don't know. I just think it's a really bad contract that he's on. And I think it's wacko that Benning took that on when he knows he's going to have to pay the kids in a couple of years. Oliver Ekman Larson out of the three at, at their peaks, Oliver Ekman Larson was the best of the three. I, I don't know if there's a possibility to ever see that again. So like, it's a massive gamble. I mean, he's on the wrong side of 30, right? So Oh, is it's, he really? Uh, I didn't even. Yeah, know he's he thirty now. Yeah, he's thirty. Yeah. Oh my gosh! I thought he was at like twenty-seven years old still. Like I, oh my, cheapers creepers. Yeah, he's he's 30, at that, Holy crap! At that huge deal, until uh, he's thirty-five. So it's certainly a, a really big risk there for the Canucks. Yeah, That's... like I just the fact. I mean, they now this... have what is it like thirteen million dollars tied up in. Oliver Ekman Larson and Tyler Myers, like I <laughs> run away. Like my goodness gracious, like I. I, I mean, it, but what I will say is I really do like uh, Garland, and I mean it depends on what they can get him signed for. Maybe help soften the blow, and maybe if OEL sort of at least I'm not gonna say finds his old form, but maybe is like at least serviceable. But uh, yeah, it's certainly a, a a huge risk for the Canucks taking on those contracts were almost done and then taken on all that extra turn. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, you want at that contract, you want Oliver Ekman Larson to be like a number one at yeah. worst number two type defenseman. He hasn't been anything really close to that um, for a number of years now. Uh, they also have Nate Schmidt at six million. So, oh my gosh, I forgot. <laughs> they have like twenty million dollars signed in three guys that like at best maybe are number fours. Round so. of applause to Jim Benning. <laughs> It's, it's oh. pretty pretty hilarious. And they're all on the wrong side of 30 as well, those three. I was just saying, and they're all the term, too, which is, I and feel, the, yeah. <laughs> so, like, we can the, actually maybe we'll, we'll take this into a segue into what the Jets have done, you know, today, um, where Paul Stastny is also on the wrong side of 30, and he's making more money than I would have liked. But it's not term. It's one year. And I am happy. Well, you know what? 3.25 is a little steep. 3.75. 3. what? 3.75. 3.75. Okay, yeah. Still, again, a little steep. Um, yeah. But you know what? Like, all things considered, like, I don't hate the deal. Um, I would have preferred a two-by-two, two probably. Um, but the one year, I like it. Uh, I, I'm happy to keep him here. I'm happy that he wants to be here because I really like him. I think he's a great dude. Um, but, yeah, what do you guys think about the Paul Stassi signing today? I think getting one year was paramount. Like yeah. I'm worried about a huge drop off, but if it ha- like even if it happens, if it happens this year and you did one year, you didn't kill yourself. Um, it's one year. Uh, if you did two years, well, I mean you're probably in a cap crunch still, trying to win. That two million matters, and all of a sudden you aren't going to have teams lined up to take them off your hands. So. I think the one year was a, an important thing. Um, and he wasn't signing for two by two uh, regardless. So I, I, yeah. I like, I like it. I, I don't love it, but it's, it's fine. You didn't hurt yourself. Um, you fill the position in your top nine somewhere. Hopefully it's like, I want to get the jets to go after, you know, a couple of better guys, you know, at, le- at least one um, to shore up the top six, whether that comes, you know, in a cop trade or something like that uh, remains to be seen. But uh, I think Stastny as a third liner would be absolutely great. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see where that goes from here. Um, I, I certainly like the, I like the signing. Like I think yeah. a cup, I think a cup winning team can have Mark Scheifele when he's good as their top line center, Pierre Luc Dubois is the second, Paul Stastny is the third, and Adam Lowry is the fourth. I think it's a great setup. Um, I would love to see the Jets play them that way, and I think um, I honestly I would prefer to see Dubois as the first line center if he can get his act together. I think it's I would love to see it because um, then you can run four lines a little better and stuff like that. I just think that we're in a good situation for, uh, for next year. I don't know if Justin, you want to, I know you're looking at me like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, just, I, I just, I don't know how you can have Dubois ahead of Shifley after that season, even Stasny. No, I, I said, <laughs> that's enough. If he gets his act together, I said, so, like, I'm not, I'm okay. Not okay. Fair. If I, I could it, on having a better season, but like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I guess, I think that center depth would be solid, but overrated. 
Like, I think it's, you can win with that, but you need elite talent on the wings. If that's what you're going to have at center, I think like Shifley, I think can play one C I don't think he's not a high end one C I think he's probably a one C well, a true 1C is a Sidney Crosby who can be a 1C with a three left oh. wing and a three right wing. Mark Scheifele to be a 1C needs a one left wing and a one right wing, and those aren't always easy to come by, right? So I think that's probably where that comes into play. You have a one right wing with Ehlers. It's just a matter of finding the right complement on the other side, I think. Like Scheifele, Ehlers could be a good pair. Um, well, Perfetti. Yeah, that'd be an interesting one. I've certainly like thought about a Perfetti Shifley Ehlers line. Um, just don't start them in the defensive zone. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I've honestly thought about that. I think Perfetti and Ehlers could be particularly a really good pair uh, together. Yeah, I'd be. Maybe a little early for Perfetti. I don't know, but. Yeah, no, I think it's, I, I have a feeling that, I don't know if this is the way the Jets are going to roll with it, but I think you could, like, Perfetti and Wheeler should essentially switch out in my mind. Like, I think once Perfetti is ready, is going to be once Wheeler needs to get out of there. And I think that time is probably almost now, um, maybe already. I don't know. Like, I think, I think they're going to be almost interchangeable. I, I don't know if that's the way they're going to roll. I, they might run Blake Wheeler at top six into the ground until he passes away. Um, but it'll be interesting to see because, yeah, right now, um, now that we have Stastny back as a guarantee and we have one year left in the Dubois contract, like you have your Connor Scheifele, Wheeler, Ehlers, Dubois, Stastny. Which of those guys is going to come out of this top six for Cole Perfetti? Probably none of them. And you don't want to see that poor kid rot away on the third or fourth line, right? So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I want to see, I want to see Perfetti play center, honestly. Like I think his skill set fits better at center ice. I agree. He's not the best. He's not the best skater, but he's so smart, such a precise passer, um, such a good positional player. I think that works perfectly um, if you have skilled wingers to put him with. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, I'd I just- love to see him and Kyle Connor. Like I just, I think he'd be so good at giving Kyle Connor the puck where he needs to have it and. Because Kyle Connor's pretty good and tight there, and when he gets the puck on the stick, like he does. But yeah, he's not the same playmaker that Cole Perfetti is, so it'd be interesting. I'd love to see them just play around with it and stuff, and see what happens. But um, just make sure you have a great defensive winger on. All right, uh, yeah, good defensive winger on the other side. Yeah, those don't exist in Winnipeg. So <laughs> try again next year. Um, well, Mason Appleton used to exist, but uh, he's gone now. So we should. Uh, <laughs> No. Probably move on to the trade we made today, eh? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we'll, we'll jump over there. Uh, but yeah, quick shout out to Rest in Peace. Um, Mason Applin's career is a Winnipeg Jet. We will miss him dearly. And I know we got all very, very carried away with the Jamel versus Stanley thing, but nobody wanted to lose Appleton. Um, we quite liked him. We will miss him dearly. Um, but yeah, anyways. Um, but yeah, trade today. Two second round picks for Brendan Dillon of the Washington Capitals, who is on a three-year deal, I believe. After I think he's got three more seasons left on his contract, where he makes almost four, three point nine, yeah, yeah almost four. Yeah. So, uh, Justin, what are your thoughts on that trade initially? Um. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's good. Like, I mean, I, I like the player Brendan Dillon. I, I I think he's a huge upgrade on Forbert. I think he's a player that Maurice will be willing to play, 
and utilize him in the right role, right? He's good uh, defensively and on the penalty kill and, and uh, sort of, I think he's a perfect fit uh, to replace Forbert on the second pair with, with Neil Pionk. And I think that that would be a very effective at worst second pair, possibly even a low end first pair. So I, I think it's good. He's on a pretty good contract, 3.9 million. He is 30, but like, I'm willing to take that risk considering the Jets had a very weak defensive core, and I think that he shores it up. I think, you know, the, the the two seconds, it might be a little steep, but I'm honestly fine with it. I think that, you know, if the Jets kept those two seconds, I think you might be lucky to get a guy in that range that'll turn out to be as good as Brendan Dillon. And so I'm totally fine with the cost, and I like the player, and I think he's a good fit. Uh, and he's much needed to shore up the, the defense, and he's a lot better than some of these bigger names that costed a lot more. And so I'm glad that Shevel Daff waited for the opportunity to get somebody who's actually good. Uh, mm-hmm. The one concern, I guess, is that he cuts into Hainala's, uh ice time possibly next year. And, uh, you know, uh, that's more so on the coach, though, than, than the move itself. So I'm, I'm really a, a fan of the, of, of the Dylan acquisition for sure. Yeah, I agree. I um, and I think a lot of it comes from like when it came to like the rest line and trade, whatever. It's like I don't really care looking at the intricacies too much. I'm just glad my team didn't do it. And I think this is a very safe bet that prevents um us from going after you know someone. I guess a lot of the ones we were terrified of have already made their moves, and that's that. Um, but I just think it could have been a hell of a lot worse. So um, I'm feeling pretty good about it. But do you think that means? I guess he's like this signing. Do you think we've seen the last of Derek Forbert as a Winnipeg Jet? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think sure. I think it was reported that uh, that he was probably going to sign in Boston. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. So and you know what? Like he was serviceable. Um, I didn't hate Derek Forbert by the end of the season. I really felt like Neil Pionk was dragging him around a little bit. But you know what? I like. Brendan Dillon from my limited knowledge of him and from what I've looked at so far tonight I like him more than Derek Forbert yes he's more expensive which means um he should be better and I think he will be better and I just think that that's someone better to plug up your top four with than someone like Derek Forbert or Tucker Pullman or something like that so I'm good with the move uh Brian what about you I like it um quite a lot I think it's a great fit with Neil Pionk I looked at the price originally two seconds. Okay. I wasn't expecting it to be that expensive, but I don't think it's a bad deal by any stretch. Um, You get a player that can certainly slot in um, with Pionk and I think they're just a perfect fit. So that's, that's honestly what you've been wanting. That's what you were needing. Like you have the Morrissey DeMello um now you have a good second pair like probably possibly a real good second pair Deme- or dylan <laughs> that's gonna happen to me a lot i'm gonna yeah. mix up <laughs> Demello and dylan and you know probably all season uh, yeah nonetheless um dylan has had like he's had pretty decent results for most of his career some years with some partners he's had just awesome results um i don't know if he can have those awesome results of pionk 
but it's intriguing to see if that's possible. And I think we'll find out a lot about Pionk and just how like good he can be um, having a partner like Dylan this year. Um, I like the move from a hockey standpoint. The third pair, the log jam on left defense gets interesting now. Yeah. Um, you obviously have Morrissey, who's not coming out of the top four. Um, and oh. Dylan now. Then you've got Vili Hainala, uh, Logan Stanley, Dylan Sandberg, all probably all hoping to vie for time um, in the NHL. I think realistically. too. Like, I think it's reasonable. Like, I think all of them could fare just mm-hmm. Yeah, I think all of them would be good third pairing. Would be all of them would be at least fine third pairing defensemen, I should say. Um, Hanela, obviously, with the big upside, I yeah. want to see him there personally. I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen after the Jets literally just protected Logan Stanley ahead of Dylan DeMello. I mean, it, I think that shows how the organization values Stanley right yeah. or wrong um so and if they're can they're they're gonna try and make a push this year i think that's what the trade tells me and which means i think they're gonna want to add somebody to the right side as well so i doubt you're gonna see a Billy hanala or a dylan sandberg slot into that right side um which I don't necessarily think that I want either of those guys playing on their offside, but it's going to be really important to get Billy Hainala minutes in the NHL this year for his development. Um, looks like based on the development so far, as likely a top four guy you're going to get as a prospect um, with a lot of upside for sure. So you really want to get them those minutes. So that's the only worrying part for me. Personally, I would package up Andrew Kopp and Logan Stanley and try and get myself a Brock Besser, but that'd be so good. That that might be a, that might be a pipe dream, but that would be, (laughs) that would be the hope. And then you get a heist uh, right there. (laughs) Absolutely. If they're going to blow that team up, like bring it on. Like I'd love to do it. That would be, that would be awesome. If they if they're really focused on their their Pedersen Hughes and they're gonna go with that and try and be good in five years or something like that, give me Brock Besser. I'd love it. Um, but yeah, I would love to see an Andrew Cop Logan Stanley package go somewhere, even if it's for a defenseman or something. I don't even know. I just think it'd be dope. Uh, and I'd love to see us bring in Jake McCabe. And maybe that means Hanola starts the season off on his off hand, and then when Jake McCabe yeah. is healthy, he slots in, and they realize that Logan Stan- or that. Billy Hanel is so good that Logan Stanley gets the boot and then Billy <laughs> that's my dream. I don't know about you guys. Um, I don't think that I don't think a Jake McCabe signing is particularly likely at all, given the, mm-hmm. the Dylan trade now, which is fine. Like, I think they're fairly similar players, to be honest with you. Yeah. I would just like to have someone good on right defense. That's all I'm asking. I would like, is Mike Riley a left or a right-handed defenseman? No, he's a left. So is McCabe, though. McCabe oh, is wow. uh, oh, McCabe's oh, okay. a left. 
Um, uh, there's but, not much for right-handed defensemen on the market. There's Dougie oh, Hamilton. Colin Miller. Colin Miller? Well, he's still got one year left in Buffalo. I know, but if we traded Logan Stanley for him. One for one. No, 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 I would, I would think that's not even a good trade to be honest with you. Oh, interesting. I thought Colin Miller was okay, but um, he, he was, he he was okay. He was good in Vegas in a more, he was really good in Vegas, I should say, in a more sheltered role. Um, a lot of he, guys worked good in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, um, good team they got going. He hasn't been so good the last couple of years. Um, not the smartest player, to be honest with you. Uh, like, good results at times, not good results in Buffalo. I don't know if that's just Buffalo effect. But with the contract, there's better money to be spent out there, I think. So you're saying that it's probably a good thing the Jets didn't trade for a Miller and Ristolainen package this year? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, quickly, we'll wrap it up right away, but, um, Jets, uh, tendered a couple of their offers today to Pionk, uh, and other guys. Uh, what do you think their Pionk and cop packages or not packages deals look like? What do you think they offered them? And what do you think it's going to take to get them to sign here? Or how do you think this plays out? Justin, I think, think Pionk, uh, like, I, I wonder if he gets north of five, eh? Like, I think five million is probably like pretty close to a fair price for him. Five for uh, Pionk? Yeah. Gamble, but I think it's gonna be a six. Really? Six, yeah. Yeah. I'd love a five by five. I could do five by five for sure. I would I mean a five by five would be I'd be ecstatic with that. I just don't think it's realistic. I don't know. His his first season with the Jets. Like, I, this season was, like, I, I think that's too much to bank on one season of goodness. Like, I don't know. It was a really good he was He was fine in his first year with the Jets. Like, he wasn't anything special. He was a serviceable second-pairing guy. And then this year, he just kind of took off and was awesome, in my opinion. Yeah, um, he was really good this year. I, I, I think the trajectory is good for him. Um, I... I would worry giving him big term at six mil, but I'd go there if I had to, uh, well, to make that really signing right now. Right. Like this year or next kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's the whole thing with Dougie Hamilton. Like obviously that guy's going to want money and term, but if you're going all big this year, maybe you take the L six years from now, but if you're competitive for the, fir- the front half of his or the front, like 60% of his deal, like, you know what, there are worse things to do. Right. Cause but yeah, I don't know. What about Andrew Cop? What are your thoughts? Um, I think that the Jets end up trading Cop. So I think Ooh. that the extension, it, yeah, I think the extension is going to be somebody else's problem. To be honest with you, uh, again, it's it's pretty similar to Pionk. I I think on what he'll end up getting. Um, I don't know. Like he had a really good season points wise, which is what kind of sort of drives those AAVs up. And uh, just looking at evolving uh, hockey's here uh, projections, they have cop at four years uh, times five million. So, like, I don't know. I, I think that if he's going to ask for some kind of a contract like that, and I don't think he's going to want to take term here because I I do I do think he wants to get out of Winnipeg. I, I think that the Jets kind of end up just trading him instead of letting him go for nothing. But I kind of I don't know. 
too. Just because, like, I don't know. I just don't see where it fits. Like, I don't love him in a third pairing role. I don't think that's his shtick. I don't think and third line on another team is different than third line in Winnipeg. I think like a lot of like if they're committed to running the Adam Lowry checking line, I don't think that that's what's best for that line or what's best for Andrew Kopp. So I'd love, and he's going to be pretty valuable. So I'd love to see them trade him. I think it'd be a really best case scenario situation, depending on what the return is for the Jets, obviously. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know what's going to happen with cop with, um, yeah, I, I really, I really don't know. I thought if they didn't think they could sign him, then maybe they would trade him before the expansion draft. I thought that might've been a possibility, but I think now, especially with the log jam you have at left defense, if you could package him up with one of your defensemen and get a really good player. Like, I think that's a possibility for sure. And maybe something they should look at, especially if they're going to try and contend um, in the coming seasons, probably just, probably just this season. I don't know. I don't know if it's realistic after this season, regardless. Go, go get for Brendan it. Dillon's not necessarily the big name, like the David Savard free agents, whatever. Go get the guys that, maybe aren't on everyone's radar and bring him in and see what happens. I don't know. I would have loved to see them bring in Pavel Buchnevich. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That was so cheap too. Hey, I'm so cheap. Oh yeah. I, I'm a little mad about that. Sammy Blake. Are you kidding me? I also Sam Reinhardt. I would have paid that for Sam Reinhardt. What did he go for again? A first Devin and a Reinhardt. prospect, I think. Yeah. And a goalie Devin Levy or Leva. I don't know how to say it. Who's our world junior goalie this year. Right. He's fine. He's good. Like, I don't know, but like gambling on young goalies is whatever. Like I, I, I look at it more first plus a lottery ticket kind of thing. Like, I don't know, like I, I would have Sam Reinhardt's good. Uh, I don't know if that's necessarily what we need right now, but Pavel Buchnevich definitely would have been a sweet ad. I think um, the jets need a play driving winger and oh, Buchnevich sure. is, is that in spades. Yeah. And then push. I don't even know. That means you push your your. Well, you're trying to push. Like, I don't know if the Jets are looking at it this way. You're trying to push Blake Wheeler out of the top six. We all know that's how we're all looking at it. So. Blake it's Wheeler on the third team. line would be really nice. Oh, no? I'm good at it too. Yeah. Anyway, we'll wrap it up. Um, yeah. So this was fun. It was nice to sit down and sort of talk about this kind of stuff. I have a feeling free agency is going to be super fun league wide come Wednesday. So we're looking forward to that. Hopefully we'll get this episode out here before then. Um, but other than that, um, we're looking to just do, yeah, a little bit more kind of coverage throughout the off season, just as things come up, as things become more interesting. And yeah, we're always around on Twitter, on TikTok now, and um, on all kinds of, we're always around to um, have conversations about what's going on in the league. So um, make sure you're following us on Twitter. And yeah, thanks as always for your support. We appreciate it. And yeah, that's about it from us, I think. I'm Kurt Gilback, and thank you for listening to the Jet Centric Broadcast.